Have you ever thought to yourself, I don't need anyone's help. I can do this on my own. I can fix it. I don't need anyone. Well, beautiful, when it comes to trauma, many of us insist that we can fix it all on our own. And despite our best efforts, our DIYs, our default actions following a traumatic event, it usually makes things worse. And by default, I'm referring to those things that we do by nature. If we don't have an intentional discipline in place, we default to these four things. They are patterns that we fall into and they have a sense of taking us down a road that we don't want to travel. We're going to talk about these four today on Beauty Beyond Betrayal. Hey beautiful, it's Lisa and this is Beauty Beyond Betrayal, the podcast designed for women who want to find hope and healing in the midst of betrayal, trauma, and loss. Each week, I help you navigate the murky waters of betrayal trauma by bringing you insight, wisdom, and ways to overcome the trauma and loss that you've experienced. I help you explore ways to heal, recover, and redesign your life the way you desire it to be. One that is lived passionately, out loud, on purpose, full of impact, joyful, and free, the way God intended it to be. I also bring in all things Jesus because he's the one who ultimately brings us into our healing and freedom from betrayal trauma. So beautiful, grab your favorite latte or a glass of wine, pull up a chair and focus on yourself for the next few minutes. Let's dive into what it really means to rise up from the ashes of betrayal and loss into a life redesigned. Welcome back, beautiful. I'm glad you're with me on today's broadcast of Beauty Beyond Betrayal. I'm your host, Lisa Limehouse, and it's great to have you here. We are going to talk about the default modes in which we have a tendency to fall into when we've been traumatized by betrayal. There are four of them that generally we have a tendency to slip down into if we haven't developed an intentional discipline so that our choices can be directed and focused to take us down a road of healing instead of a road that could possibly lead us down a road of destruction. And so today I wanted to kind of dissect these, give these to you so you can be aware of them and know that this is what we don't want to do. We want to stay away from these so that we can really move forward through our healing journey. Now, beautiful, the first one we want to talk about today is we deny. Yeah, we literally deny that the trauma has even occurred. You know, when it happens, it is so devastating in our lives. It's common for our reaction to be one of denial. And when our world is shaken to the core, our involuntary response is to deny that the experience will have any long-term impact on our lives. We usually downplay the severity of it. We kind of brush it under the rug, so to speak, and we say to ourselves, you know, this is a temporary setback. This is a temporary struggle that I'm going through. And we may even excuse the behavior of those who hurt us. We do this because 
the trauma is great. The shock and overwhelm is so inundating in our mind that it rewires the brain and we go into the default mode of denial. We kind of want to kind of place it under the rug and shove it aside because actually facing it is hard work and it hurts. And it really is one of those things that we have to step back, we have to slow down a little bit, and we have to recognize that we can't deny this. You know, at the time of crisis, our brains adapt to this new reality that has just happened. You know, our brain is trying to say, okay, we've just been traumatized, so let's adapt ourselves in a, such a way for survival. And that's normal. It's normal for us to go into survival mode, which a part of that is denial. And our denial, and I really want you to realize this, is not driven by stupidity or ignorance. No, beautiful, you're not stupid and you're not ignorant if you've gone down the road of denial. You see, denial actually happens when our new reality is incongruent with the way we previously saw our lives playing out. We have this dream. We dreamt that, you know, we are going to live happily ever after with our knight in shining armor. We're going to have this beautiful home life with our children and we're going to grow old together and we're going to be loyal and we're always going to be in love and all of a sudden that reality is shaken to the core that reality is not reality anymore well it happens when our post-trauma reality becomes too complicated confusing painful chaotic to fit into our lives that's when we deny we deny when we can't see how our lives can progress if we actually deal with what happened. You know, we sit there and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, my truth isn't my truth anymore. And the inward part of us, that little girl is screaming out saying, no, 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 this can't be happening. And so we default to denial. You see, feeling overwhelmed we stuff it in our emotional trash can and we promise to deal with it someday in the future. You know, we, we kind of want to place it aside, lock the box. But then there comes the time when we feel like if we open Pandora's box, then everything is going to just pour out. So we procrastinate because to feel any part of this would mean feeling all of it at once. And that in and of itself seems very overwhelming, very chaotic, and our body, our nervous system dysregulates. Our nervous system goes on high alert and says, no, 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 I don't believe we can deal with that right now. So we strive to persevere and preserve our reality as we wish it were or as it used to be rather than the true reality of how it is now. Somehow, it feels easier for us to deny than to adapt to the new reality that we're faced with. And beautiful, the problem is that maintaining this alternate reality, it becomes increasingly more difficult as time passes.
You see, we stuff the pain down. The painful memories, we stuff them down day after day, month after month, and even for many, year after year or decade after decade. And the more that the time passes, the more likely we are to encounter people or experiences that take us back to these painful memories. We're triggered all the time. And we automatically are stuck in this process of denial and we cannot realize, why can't I move forward? We don't understand it. Does it make sense in our brain? We're like, why am I stuck here? Why can't I move past it? Well, it's because of the triggers, and the triggers are common. They are a common response to an abnormal event. All these memories come back. It can come back through a noise, walking down a street. It can be a song. It can be you driving by a certain place. The triggers are there, and they bring the emotions, the pain back up. And your brain stops some of its normal functions in order to focus on the effort of surviving the threat at hand, the traumatic event that you're really living over and over and over again. And because of this, your brain doesn't process the trauma correctly. Like fragments of a puzzle, your memory, it's jumbled and it's just a mess. It's just chaotic. And then when you least expect it, there comes a sight or a sound or a smell that may trigger a trauma reaction by sending a signal to your body that a threat is present. The memory fragment may come flooding back and along with it comes all the emotions and the physical sensations that the traumatic experience once brought to you in the beginning. That's why... Facing the reality, and I'm talking about the real reality, is a must for our healing and our recovery. We must accept that the trauma is true, and it was done to us. And we must face and recognize and and give credit to the feelings that come along with it, no matter how much we want to deny them. The truth is... They are real. And we must bring our past trauma into the present and process it. So here's the truth. Either we deal with the trauma or the trauma is going to deal with us. And denying it, that's when you're allowing the trauma to deal with you. And beautiful, I know that's not what you want. So... I've got a question that you can ask about this denial process that you may be in right now. And you can ask yourself this and spend a little bit of time dissecting it so that you can move forward. And the question is this. Number one, can you personally identify with this stage? And what does it actually look like for you as you're living in denial about the trauma that you've experienced. Journal it. Write it down. Face it head on. And if you're struggling to do this on your own, now is a good time to employ a good trauma-informed coach, one who is experienced in somatic experiencing techniques, 
um, a good counselor or a good therapist. They can help you process this as you go into the four default modes that we're talking about today. All right, beautiful. Let's look at default mode number two. Number one, we deny, and then we enter into cry. Yes, we deny, then we cry. You see, as we start to grasp the extent of the damage that was caused by the trauma from the betrayal, we experience a tidal wave of emotions. And some of us may weep at the damage and the loss that was caused by the trauma. Some of us may wail. (laughs) Some of us may, you know, be on the floor, coddled up like an infant, just weeping so uncontrollably that we don't know what to do. We find ourselves maybe crying at the drop of a hat. Some of us may feel complete terror at the thought or sight of those that have harmed us. You know, the thought of having to run into him or see the other woman, you know, it just sends terror through our body. And then there are those of us that feel more aggressive because we're angry at what has been done to us. We are so angry that we cry and we find ourselves getting easily annoyed, maybe even lashing out at those that are closest to us. You see, rather than managing our emotions, they at this point are getting the best of us and they end up destroying some of our relationships, even the relationship that we have with ourself. It's kind of like a boiling pot of water. You see, our emotions, they seem to simmer at this low temperature until just when we stop paying attention to them, they start to bubble over in an instant. Like suddenly fearing, feeling irrational panic while standing in the line at the fast food restaurant. Something triggered you, a sight, a sound, a smell, And then you're overwhelmed and you get this wave of sadness that comes upon you and you don't know what to do with it. These are emotions that are uncontrolled. And at this point, clinical terms like anxiety, panic, depression are usually assigned to the poorly regulated emotions that we're feeling. And the fact is that our emotions are dysregulated. Our nervous system is dysregulated. It's chaotic because our body is stored the trauma that has been done to us. It's housed within us. And the trauma, as long as it goes unaddressed, well, the more symptomatic we become. And eventually, our innate coping mechanisms can no longer hold our growing emotional, mental, and spiritual unrest at bay. So we look for reinforcements in the form of painkillers and numbing agents. We do this because we don't know how to regulate ourselves. Beautiful This is where having someone who can help you release the trauma from your brain and your body comes very, very handy. This is where you can get stuck and you can get stuck in the overwhelm. Your body becomes sick. You develop disease. 
and you stay dysregulated. That's why many get into these panic modes and stay in panic attacks and high anxiety levels and their stress gets so high that it it causes their cortisol levels to go running amok and they're high and their adrenal glands shut down and their thyroid gland shuts down and it becomes this storm that your body is in and it can really harm you in many different ways. It can cause autoimmune diseases, it can cause heart issues, and it can, the list really can go on. So this is where we need reinforcements. Those who are safe people in our lives that we can uh, just cry with and process these emotions with, or those who are trained in trauma and somatic techniques to move you through a body experience of releasing the trauma and the loss. Because if you don't, then you hit default mode number three. You see, you're looking for reinforcements, right? You're looking at them in the form of painkillers or numbing agents. So default number three is we numb out. So we deny, we cry, and then we numb out. You know, many trauma sufferers aim to eliminate their physical or psychological pain by resorting to alcohol, drugs, sex. Maybe it's shopping for you, or maybe it's an addictive habit. Maybe it's overeating or not eating at all. Maybe you are vegging out on Netflix day after day after day. You're neglecting your self-care. You're not taking care of your body whether it's your spiritual state, your emotional or mental state, your physical state. And these choices actually work against us. They work against your goal of healing. And you end up just really um, causing your healing to be a, a slow process. Recovery is a long way away, or maybe not at all. Because you can't stay numbed out and heal. Your numbing effort requires you to request more and stronger prescription medications just to make it through the day. This is where you drift off into lifestyles of distraction, fantasy, or escapism. You're reading all the time, playing video games, social media scrolling, where your thumbs, you can't even feel them anymore. Or maybe you have to wear a thumb and a wrist brace because... You've spent the last 10 hours on social media and it really, you look at your watch and go, wait a minute, where did time go? Or maybe it's, it's constant Bible studies. You're, you're studying all the time, but you're not implementing any of it. Or maybe it's workaholics. Yes, you've become a workaholic to where you're working all the time. That was me. I was throwing myself into work, working 80 hours a week, just trying to numb out. Or maybe it's exercise. Maybe you're spending all your time exercising to see if you can feel better. And while some of these things are not bad in and of themselves, when they become distractions from addressing the real root issue of what's really going on, the trauma that you've experienced, well, that's when they become a default mode that can be very unhealthy. 
These substitutes, so to speak, provide only a temporary feeling of healing, but they lose their effectiveness over time. And in order to maintain the numbness that you're trying to maintain, you must continually find new avenues for temporary relief. Numbing out means that you are literally robbing yourself of life. You're robbing your family of you. You're robbing your future self of this beautiful destiny that God has waiting on you if you get stuck in the numb. And beautiful, once again, you've got to reach out for help. Reach out and don't try to do this on your own because the numb can, can become normal for you. You can become apathetic and literally not feel anymore. And I know that at one point in my life, in, in my 20s, I did this because of a traumatic event that I brought on myself when I betrayed myself and was the betrayer. And that's when I had lost custody of my children. If you've not heard my complete testimony, I will put in the show notes that link to the podcast that you need to go back and listen to because I tell you how not to betray yourself. And beautiful, I did it. And I feel for about five years. And I remember that the day that I finally allowed myself to feel again, it was so overwhelming. And I don't suggest that for anyone. (laughs) Deal with it now and stop the numb. Because if you don't, then you enter into the fourth default mode, and that's where you run. Yes, you deny, you cry, you numb out, and then you run. You begin to desperately search for some semblance of healing. You run toward whatever or whoever is handing out some kind of hope. You run away from one traumatic experience right into another one. You run from one bad relationship to another, one hobby to another. You run to spend money that you might not have on things that you don't need and and things that you don't even have time to use. You run and run and run. And if you aren't careful, beautiful, you end up running for the rest of your life. Denying, crying, numbing, and running, these four phases encompass the default response to trauma if you don't have intentional steps set in place for your recovery. So my question for you as we land this plane today is do you see yourself in one of these phases? Are you denying the trauma? Are you constantly crying and so emotional you can't get control of it? Have you started to numb out or have you been numbing out for years? Or are you constantly running from one thing to another just to try to find some semblance of healing and recovery in your life? The actions of denying, crying, numbing, and running drive you further away from your healing. They don't drive you closer to it, beautiful. They keep your recovery far away in the future. And if you wish to heal, 
you must stop doing what is a default, what kind of feels natural to you, and begin applying a supernatural response. The opposite. Applying the things that God would have you do, your part. Working on your healing. Walking out the plan of recovery so that you can heal and move into your destiny. And that takes humility. Healing requires humility. And when I talk about humility, I'm not, I'm not saying that meaning of thinking more lowly of yourself. No, no. I'm talking about vulnerability. You see, when you're humble, when you're walking in humility, it means that you have a willingness to open up and let others in. Even if it means just throwing out all the, the stuff, you know, the, the bad things that have happened. Being real, letting your real self show. Pride, on the other hand, wants to keep you from experiencing any kind of healing. So pride would tell you, no, no, don't be vulnerable. They'll judge you. Don't be vulnerable. If you tell people what really happened, they're going to look not only bad at you, but it's going to taint everything. No, no, stay quiet and silent about it. You can deal with it on your own. That's what pride would say. Pride pushes you away from help from help from those who are safe, from a counselor, a therapist, a great coach, and it locks your pain away on the inside. And depending on the context of your trauma, your default instinct may be to push back against accepting help. You might be more inclined to grit your teeth, you know, pull up your bootstraps and carry the burden alone, so to speak. But listen, beautiful, You can't win the war against trauma alone. The enemy is strong and clever. And when you've been traumatized, you're outgunned and outnumbered. This is truth. The only hope that you have left is to let humility, vulnerability, lead you to healing and recovery. And it seems contrary to reason, I know, But strength is found in acknowledging our weakness. You know, in 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote a letter to the believers at Corinth. And he shares some of his hardships and the trauma that he endured because of his faith. But he also shared how he embraced his inability to fix it on his own. He realized that he also needed help. And I'm going to end it with this today. He says, I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, in the wilderness, at sea, from false brothers in toil and hardship. 
through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. So if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with my weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 27 and 30, and chapter 12, 9 through 10. You know, despite all that Paul had been through, he was not denying, crying, numbing, or running. No, no. <laughs> He understood that it was through surrender, being vulnerable, being humble, that he would find victory. He recognized that he only stood a fighting chance if he would let his guard down and become vulnerable. You see, beautiful, humility invites others to help you, and pride would push them away. Humility enables God to enter into your pain. And pride says, no, no, I can do it alone. Humility listens to wise counsel, a counselor, a therapist, a coach. And pride would reject the advice of others. Humility leads to healing, yet pride leads to destruction. Here's the bottom line, beautiful. Without vulnerability... You're wasting your time by pretending to be stronger, putting on a front, trying to be healthier than you really are. Healing from trauma requires vulnerability. It requires you being willing to put yourself in others' hands, to entrust them with your story in order to build the loving relationships and community you'll need to heal. And it's not easy. I'm not going to lie. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be the total opposite of what your brain tells you to do. But you can't skip this step. Openness and vulnerability are exactly what your heart needs in order to heal. We need one another to make it through the process of healing. We need to let each other in. And we can't be keeping up our guard at all times. Healing doesn't simply happen because we show up every week and, you know, we try to put in our time and, you know, we're we're saying the right things and maybe we feel like we're doing the right things. But the truth of the matter is that healing takes hard work. It takes commitment and it takes vulnerability. So today, take that opportunity Take the opportunity to be vulnerable by giving some real honest answers and opening up and being your real self to someone who can help guide you through your recovery. And if you are not even knowing where to turn, then beautiful, I want you to know that August 1st, I'm opening up enrollment to a free workshop a free five-day workshop that I'm going to be hosting where we're going to talk about your trauma and how it affects you, 
how we can start releasing it. We're going to talk about the five seasons of betrayal trauma and all the things that you can start doing to move forward in your healing process. I would love for you to be a part of it. Stay tuned and set your calendar because I will be dropping that link on a special broadcast on August 1st. You want to make sure that you're on that broadcast so you can learn all the things and get in on that free webinar. Until then, beautiful, let today be the day that you take your first step of a thousand towards your healing process. God bless you and stay beautiful. Hey, beautiful. Thanks for stopping by today and spending a little while with me. Make sure to subscribe to my podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, something really hit you in one of the moments, or you were inspired to take the next step in your healing, reach out to me and by all means, leave a review. This is the highest compliment I can receive. And make sure to screenshot this episode. Share us out on IG and Facebook stories. Tag me at Beauty Beyond Betrayal Podcast, and I'll give you a huge shout out as well. And if you're ready to move out of the devastation of betrayal and redesign your life and relationships in the way you desire them to be, hit me up in the DM. I would love to hear from you and connect. Until next time, love God, live your life passionately, and always choose joy in the midst of all circumstances that you may face. Cheers to you, beautiful. Beautiful.